I'm CEO of a telehealth company today, but I was selling um, fake gold jewelry on construction sites 30 years ago. Where were you procuring this jewelry? <laughs> it was a company, girl. Gold-plated jewelry. Okay. I did it for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> From WBZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Taylor Coward, and I'm here with Cheryl Jackson. And phoning in from Atlanta, Georgia, is Jennifer Shea Love Long. Hey, ladies. How's it going? And today, we're talking all about the come up. So, Taylor, what do you mean by uh, the come up? Basically, the steps you need to take, the people you need to meet, the functions you have to go to, the cocktail hours, to get where you want to be in your career in the end. All those failures, all those high points, all those long nights, that's the come up. So you're talking about the struggle bus. Exactly. So then later on in this episode, I'm talking with Kianji Williams. She's an entrepreneur who's like still in the thick of things. If you're a person who probably knows what you want to do, but don't have the courage to just kind of step out on it, think about your regrets. Because you cannot be comfortable if you, you try to change. It's actually going to be the most uncomfortable part of your life if you stay the same. That's coming up on When Magic Happens. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. So what's a big dream of yours that you've just always had? Well, let's see. You know, I'm constantly still upgrading my dreams. Mm. Because uh, when I, you know, was younger, you know, you couldn't see what you could be. Mm. But now that I'm getting a clear picture and there's a lot of, thankfully, uh, glass shattering going on. I get a sense for what's out there. Um, a dream, to be one is a successful entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the throes of that right now. So, the, yeah, I don't quite see the end. I'm uh, in the midst of um, this journey. Mm. That's good. That is good. <laughs> you know, when I think about when I think about a dream, I think okay, I'm just gonna go there. Like I have always dreamed that I just I wanted to be like Oprah. Like I just mm-hmm. I love how she transformed her whole life mm-hmm. and just had this vision for exactly what she wanted to do and she overcame every obstacle and she had a vision no one else could see. And she went for it, and she did it regardless of what anybody around her sort of said. Mm -hmm. And so I've always dreamed of being like her, but not being like her, being like me, you know. But I've imagined being in—actually, it's funny, because when I was in college, I had this internship at a TV station, and they would receive these headshots. And I remember distinctly this day opening up a package, and Oprah's headshot was in that package. And the woman that I was working with, she was like, oh, my God, you can you can keep that. And I still have it to this day. Wow. wow. It's like a vision that I, I just, 
I admire her and mm. really would love to have that kind of it kind of experience. So it sounds like manifesting is like a part of your process, would you say? Uh, it is. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, some things I've said, mm-hmm. you know, out of defiance and anger and frustration, you know, I'll show you kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And doggone it, that thing came to pass. Okay. <laughs> 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 so you you have to be really careful what you say. Because mm-hmm. there is, I do believe there is power. Words have power. Um, there is life in um uh, and death in your words and in your tongue. Um, anything on your vision board? Have you done a vision board? Yeah, I um I use the app on iPhone. It's called Freeform, I think. Girl, you got an app for everything. Oh man, Jizzy <laughs> <laughs> in the house. Um, I um yeah, I just add. You can add like pictures or videos. This has been a recent thing. Okay. If I see something I want or it's an opportunity I want, I add it to the board. And it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. It just has to be an image that's going to ring true to me and inspire me. And so whether it be a picture of something on a board or like the headshot that Jennifer has, I just, that's important for people to have. And so I'm thinking now about what are some other things that excite you about the process toward achieving dreams? Like what gets you going? Well, you know what's funny? I I want to just touch on the the manifesting things, mm-hmm. right? And I have a vision board, and I do one at the beginning of every year. And last year, I put a picture on there of a place at the beginning of the year that I didn't actually know where this place was. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to that place. And I like to imagine and visualize, and I take pictures. I also use words. I think words, I I think, Cheryl, you said this, and Taylor, you said this, that words are so powerful, which is why I always think anything that I speak can be, be, like it can actually be a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so I do try to be very mindful of what I speak, like what I actually say, Mm -hmm. good and bad, and... If I want something, I think it is literally just a matter of imagining it, visualizing it, and and just speaking it. And I know that sounds crazy, but it it, it has worked. No, no I, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. It totally makes sense because and and sometimes it like puts a focus on things that you thought were in the back of your mind. So Taylor, when you think about going after your dreams, what scares you, or does anything scare you? Um, I think that I'm I'm allowing myself to be open to failure, which is something I've always been afraid of. But I think that you just learn a lot when you fail. And so I'm just allowing myself to, I wouldn't say go where the wind takes me, but I, I am a very calculated person. And so I've been trying to use this year to just kind of go with the flow a little more. And because I don't think I have any concrete dreams at the moment. And that kind of excites me because I'm really open to anything, you know. And in being open to anything, I have to realize that not everything is going to work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm just kind of 
kind of having a new lease on life type of moment, even though I'm only 23. Girl, um, this is the time to do it. Go yeah. with the flow. Yeah. I, I think it I think it came after losing my dad. I think a a brush with mortality really makes you serious about your life. Mm-hmm. What is it I want to do? What makes me happy? And then just going for it. Because I definitely wasn't this way before. I'm much more reserved in my steps and I think things through a couple years in advance. But I'm just not trying to be like that anymore. I'm just I'm just living. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. When uh when I was your age, I'm just like woo, just whatever. I don't I don't really I don't know what this I don't know where that pressure was created on my generation. Um cuz I feel like sometimes Gen Z gets a rap of being lazy or not wanting to work, but Gen Z people are like the people that I know that have like four jobs, you know? Right. Um, and I think just the state of the world, we have to be very serious about career because things move so quickly. Um, Do you think that sometimes I think that the Gen Z generation wants to skip the come up part mm. and just just have come? I could see that. I don't I don't think it's everybody. Um, I have seen that sometimes. I think it's uh, it's more prevalent on social media Maybe people that just want to land as an influencer or a YouTuber like those. But I think, of- you know, I've been on the corporate side mm-hmm. and I can see it there, too. Mm. And I think you've just crystallized for me what the issue is. Or what maybe is in my experiences that I've had, uh, what the issue could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanting to sort of skip that struggle bus part and just arrive. I can see that. And it, it could be because generations before us have paved the way to where our struggle bus era doesn't have to be as long. But I don't want to take away from people that really do struggle because I know that there are young people that do pay their dues. Like I, I, I think that I try to pay my dues wherever I go. When I worked at a coffee shop, I was the one who carried the 15 pound cold brew bag on my shoulder and I dumped it and I took the trash out every day. And, you know, like I, and then and then I was so excited about it. Eventually, I was like, I should go to school for like hospitality. Like maybe maybe I can run a coffee shop. And so I I do think there are people that pay their dues. But I, I also can kind of see where there's some people that are like, I'm ready to hit it big now, today. You OK, know? my nephew's going to be so bad, mad at me, but I'm going to tell all his little business. <laughs> um, he, you know, he graduated from Yale, super smart. Mm-hmm. And everyone is colleagues and college mates and I think there was a lot of because some of them did come out of college making six figures and I think he was just frustrated Mm -hmm. that I'm not you know I'm not excelling Mm because I don't have this six-figure job and he had this really great paying job Um, so I see you know that or I want to be satisfied you know I want to I want to have you know, it's my first job or early in my career. I want to be fully um, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, my soul to be fully fulfilled. And and the truth of the matter is, you know, when I look back at my career, there were some roles that, yes, there was full alignment, soul mm-hmm. alignment. And then some roles and jobs that weren't. But I learned so much. Mm-hmm. I picked up 
new skill sets. And then, uh, and so you kind of go back and forth, you know, you stretch, you learn, then you uh, find a place, you land where there's full alignment. Then you take another opportunity and you stretch and learn and may not be full alignment, uh, but you're learning a lot. I just think that sometimes I wonder if Gen Z wants all of that to come together Mm -hmm. um, now. It, It could be. Um, I think we're living in scary times. Mm -hmm. And so there's a comfort in having it all figured out and having smooth sailing when things are burning around you. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I I, I was a college student during the first pandemic I've ever experienced in my lifetime, you know, or that we may all experience in our lifetime. Right. And so I'm like, well, where am I supposed to work when this is over? I, I didn't even get to I graduated with honors. And when our degree flashed on the screen on our pre-recorded graduation, oh. the honors wasn't even on the fake diploma. Oh no! And I'm like, <laughs> and my grandma, <laughs> I'm sorry, my grandma said, Taylor, Taylor, where's your cum laude? <laughs> I'm like, Grandma, it's just a template. It's not on there. But like, how do you how do you navigate something like that? Like. I think that we just have a set of circumstances, not to take away from the circumstances of other generations, Mm -hmm. but I think we're under a strange set of circumstances. And so I think that we are probably seeking comfort in just like, all right, this is my job. It's going to give me enough money to survive. I I mean, think of the eggs are like $10. Like you want a job that's a living wage at our age Mm -hmm. because everything is expensive and we, we have the same circumstances that people that are, you know, already in their careers have, even if we're still coming up. And so I think that is still an interesting topic, though, of paying dues in the come up. And so I don't think I got to ask you, though, Jennifer and Cheryl, about your struggle bus eras. (laughs) I am very who wants to start? Okay, my struggle bus. Let me tell you, I was a little clueless. I didn't even really know I was on the struggle bus. You know, <laughs> you know it was it was rough. But I, I'm Gen Z, uh, Gen Z. I'm Gen X. And when I came out in 87 and 88, it was hard to get jobs. Mm-hmm. Like the economy was in the toilet. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I graduated from Northwestern. But I had my degree in art. Mm-hmm. So that was another little challenge. Mm-hmm. Like my... Father tried to tell me, like, what can you do with art? I didn't send you Northwestern to get a degree in art. What can you do with art? Um, he wanted me to be computer science, so I have a skill. But anyway, came out in art, mm-hmm. and uh, I struggled. I mean, look, I, I'm CEO of a telehealth company today, but I was selling um, fake gold jewelry on construction sites uh, 40 years ago or 30 years ago. Where were you procuring this jewelry. It was a company, girl. It they were like, you need you're a salesperson, and this is where you're gonna go and sell them. Got it. Okay. Yes. Gold plated jewelry. Okay. I did it for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys wanted to buy more than jewelry. Oh. So. <laughs> what kind of skills did you get from? I'm curious though, because you said I kind think of- it's my t- all from all. I was I was a um, hot dog girl. Okay, you know when you go in stores mm-hmm. and you get freebies. I was doing that. That's great customer service um, training, though. I know. I was uh, I, w- I was doing a, a printing press. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I ran a printing <laughs> press. I mean, these are the jobs I did. 
But I have to give my, uh, myself a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. No matter how crazy the job was <clears throat> and not reflective of a degree for Northwestern, I really leaned into it. I wanted to do it really well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really, you know, be the star printing press runner. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, I get that. Right. So. Well, so we got to ask Jennifer. Jennifer, what was your struggle bus era like? Well, my struggle bus story kind of centers around my journey through divorce. Mm. And I would say that was probably one of the hardest times that I have had to manage just emotionally. I actually had just um, had a pretty major surgery. And really, I had to figure out how I was going to manage protecting and loving my kids emotionally and also managing my own emotion, but then also you know, shifting to a new life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went home to New Mexico and was sitting in a coffee shop one day trying to sort of figure out what exactly am I going to do? Like, am I going to look for a new job? If so, what kind of job? And so I happened upon an opportunity that really was something I just thought, you know what, this would be like a fun thing for me to do. Um, it was actually a part-time on-air personality. And so I thought, you know what, let me just, let me put my name in the hat. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that I knew someone uh, that worked for this particular company. And so they were happy to make an introduction for me. And I was like, okay, well, I, I listen to this station all of the time. I can certainly, you know, recreate what that sounds like. And so I created what obviously is just like a demo reel. And I sent it to the gentleman who was hiring for this particular role. And he called me in an hour. Wow. And he was like, I really, I love your voice. And I think that, you know, you would be a really nice voice to add to uh, kind of their portfolio of talent. And, um, you know, it, it, for me, was a moment of, like, desperation to do something different mm-hmm. and feeling very uncomfortable and unsure if I could even, quite frankly, do it. But it was also validating knowing that I, I could do it if I just put myself out there. Right. So I would say, you know, that was probably one of the more challenging phases in my life. But, you know, after just kind of getting myself out of it, I realized I have to, I have to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to figure out what's going to make the most sense and to be uncomfortable so that I could be pushed to do something greater. Wow. That was great. Was it? Yeah. Thanks, Taylor. (laughs) I know you are young, but do you have a struggle bus story? Do you have things that you've experienced that have been challenging for you? So for me, my struggle bus era was my transition from the first university I went to after high school to the one that I transferred to and graduated from. I was leaving friends behind and coming back home and starting over. All my friends had gone away to college So it was just me back home in Chicago. And so a friend was like, the store that I work at is doing like a walk-in hiring fair. She's like, just come in. You'll just like definitely get hired. 
So I came in, I did the interview, and at the table, the lady was like, yeah, girl, you didn't get this job. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, cool, all oh, right. No. So I like went to my car. It was Nordstrom Rack. So oh. shout out to Nordstrom Rack. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, it's like retail. Like right. everybody gets yeah, retail gets jobs. retail jobs. And I didn't take it very well. I like sat in the car and I was like, you know, who does she think she is? You know, like. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to bounce back and. My mom needed to return some clothes. So she was at a store. And I start gabbing it up with the lady at the counter. This is a different store. And she was just like, you're really funny. Like, I like would probably, I would love working with you. And I'm like, you hiring? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And I'm like, let me do the application. And I did it there and she hired me. And so right. it was a good bounce back because... I just put myself out there again, you know? Right. But I did acknowledge that I didn't take the rejection well. And so I think, like, being real with yourself when you get kicked down is good because then it it allows you to come back stronger and to have a focus come back. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I was like, I'm going to be less nervous the next time I interview. Right. Even though this wasn't really a formal interview, I just was like, maybe if I lead with confidence, that'll be a little better. That was foul. Because maybe in Nordstrom Rack, I was like, um, well, you know, I, like, don't know retail. And, and she just sensed that and was like, okay. yeah, no. Right. <laughs> but right. she could have been a little gentler. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, She's like, no, girl, you did not get this. But it came during my era of struggling and feeling lost. So, of course, anyway, it, it hit even it hit harder. harder. But I, I, I still look back on that time and I'm just like, I, I needed those moments because... They're still formative, and, and there's still things that I can learn from. Absolutely. And I think that the gift of the struggle, struggle bus mm -hmm. is resilience. Yeah. That's the gift. I think that the struggle bus era can be used to do, like I, like I said, that internal work. Because I was running from myself, and I just took myself with me. <laughs> you took yeah. yourself with you. Yeah. I like that. Um <laughs> So, so that's the thing about running from yourself. It follows you. Yeah, you can mm -hmm. hide from that's yourself. Right. <laughs> and so I uh I would implore people to just like work on you first because yeah, you'll you might be a little too hard on yourself cuz you're already feeling down, but you can just come out of it really strong, I think. When I look back on my um my struggling time, uh, one thing uh, the common thread between yours and mine mm -hmm. is the word lost. Yeah. And I just was lost. But I wasn't stressed out about it. Mm. Hey, I've got funny stories about yeah. selling uh, fake gold jewelry. And I, I think one of my uh, superpowers is I think you could drop me in the middle of nowhere and I will figure it out. Mm. And that came from my struggle bus times. <laughs> forced to be creative and forced to keep your spirit. Yeah. Coming up, we're talking with Kianji Williams about making your goals and realizing your dreams. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. 
More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Keanji Williams is more than a filmmaker, and a few years ago, she had a pivotal realization. There are no really good promising distribution for independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was Amazon Direct where filmmakers could put it directly on the platform, but that went away. And then there's stuff like Tubi and stuff, but then there's unpromising ways like YouTube, and yeah. YouTube is a monster, so putting a independent film in there is not ideal. So I'm like, hmm. What if I made a platform? That's such a huge <laughs> That's such a huge idea. Kianji created her own platform for distributing independent films and TV. It's called Nax, N A K X. It's a big idea, and she's taking on big players and she's the perfect person to talk about accomplishing big dreams. So, how do you go about setting your sights on a dream or a goal? Hmm. I would say, like, I say I get confirmation in the midst of irritation. (laughs) (laughs) Let me clarify that. Um, So, like, I think after, like, five, no, four years of corporate, after that, I was realizing, like, I don't like this. I don't like, (laughs) you know, being told what to do, and mm-hmm. not even being creative at that. Because I'm a Pisces, and uh, we are naturally creative and imaginative. So I'm like, I, this is not for me. I need to think about doing something else. And um, I remember Tyler Perry's speech at the BET Awards when he got his Lifetime Achievement Awards, and he was like, while well, y'all sitting there talking about Oscar So Why, Oscar So Why, I'm in Atlanta uh, building my own table. Make your own table. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Hold on. He not lying. He's like, build your own White House set. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. He really did. He said, if you ain't going to do it, I'm going to do I'm it. I'm going to build an Oval Office. <laughs> I'm going to build an Oval Office and a, and a mock airport. He said, I'm going to do it all. That's such a good message. <laughs> right. And yeah. I, I think that that was that what registered me like in the midst of my irritation mm-hmm. i wanted to shift myself to do something that i actually wanted to do mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to be easy and i knew that so i think that's kind of how i transitioned into like wanting to do my own thing so this episode that we're doing is all about the come up so what does that phrase mean to you the come up I would say the come up to me off the whim, hmm, I would say without resources, doing it anyways. Mm. That that to me is a come up. If you have the resources short, and you ain't coming up for nothing, mm-hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you're coming from like a clean slate of not having all the resources, not having all the funding, you're going out there attacking every opportunity mm-hmm. that sh- that comes into your your lap. I think that's the come up. Mm-hmm. You you laddering your way to the top to your goals. Funding is extremely difficult, especially with a clean slate of not really having. Um, much funds to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
had the most funding I've gotten is from my mother. Mm. Uh, she invested the most in my business. And then I've been bootstrapping as well. Have there been times that you can speak to about like a memorable rejection? Like someone just did not see the vision and they were just like, no, we're we're not going to go with this. Yes, actually, this was like the beginning of when I first came up with the idea of Next. This was year one. And I had I was I scheduled this meeting with somebody who is actually in the industry and they already have like their platform, but their platform is not like original. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I know that is so shady. (laughs) It is kind of like the 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 independent version of Netflix, basically. So, you know, I was reaching out to them and it took like three months to actually get a meeting in with them. Mm. So I finally get into this meeting and I'm telling them about it. And they're like, oh, it's not going to work. You could have told me that before I got here. (laughs) I'm like, I I waited three months just to hear that. It's like, yeah, you know, what you're doing is – not anything different. You see, I've already done it, mm. and it's not going to work. Nothing you're doing is original. You were intimidating. <laughs> you were adding too too many cooks to the kitchen, and, and that sounds like intimidation. Did that really suck? Yeah, I'm like, what you mean? Yeah. You know, and that's why I said it was like a, a independent film version of Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's why you couldn't see what I'm talking about. Is yeah. because that's. That's not what I was going with. I'm that. doing something different. Yeah. It's like I've already done my market research and I've seen that that's not the way to go about it. Like mm-hmm. you can't copy somebody else's innovation that mm-hmm. has already flourished already. Trying to copy behind that is is cute. But, you know, it, it's not new. It doesn't it, it doesn't invite and allow filmmakers to actually flourish Mm -hmm. and what I'm doing is so far because it hasn't been done yet that's the only thing so I I think that's why there was a rejection like that's not going to happen that's not possible so how do you bounce back from a rejection or a letdown or something you were putting a lot of anticipation and stock into yeah um I'm not going to say I ignore what they're saying. I'm a- <laughs> oh my goodness. That sounds so arrogant. <laughs> no, I, love it. I don't ignore it entirely. I, I see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then I say, hmm, how do I divert from your expectations mm-hmm. of what you think I'm working on mm-hmm. or what you feel like isn't enough or good enough? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm not easily let down based off of somebody's opinion. Okay. Um, Because I have a a bigger vision than an opinion. So when you have a vision, you have lots of visions, and no one sees it but you, what do you do? What do you say? I show proof. That's all I got to show is Mm -hmm. proof, Uh, especially in the industry that I am. I'm in, mm-hmm. um, it's extremely competitive, especially in the streaming uh, world. Um, it can be difficult to kind of allow people to understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. 
I just I'm just going to have to show them because nobody is like not I wouldn't say nobody. It's just the people who are already established don't see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say their name, but I, I uh, I'm not you know, saying anything. I ain't saying nothing, but you know, I I have this contact from Netflix mm-hmm. and every time I talk to him, it's just kind of like he does not care what I'm talking about. Really? Yeah, it's like, eh, you know, uh no, and he's supposed to be my mentor. It's like, how are you my mentor? You just blankly blinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you, I don't even see him, but, you know, he, I can I can hear the, the, the eyes just blinking over the phone. It's just like, it's, it's, not, inter- in, it's not interesting because I'm at I got other stuff going on. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, okay, nothing I'm saying sounds revolutionary. The only people that actually understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. is the filmmakers. Those are the only people I'm worried about who want to get their stuff out there. Exactly. I'm only I only care about what uh, my target market is talking about. So (laughs) your your market and your end goal is what drives you. Would you say that? Right. Yeah. Because I I know what could be. I know that there's opportunity in this market, Mm -hmm. in this industry where there's no opportunity right now for these filmmakers. And if the filmmakers are affirming me and saying that's actually a good idea, mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to other people who are naysayers. Do you have any advice for someone that's looking to do something, but they maybe don't, they can't really fully realize it yet. They don't really know what that something is what what can you say to kind of push them forward? Hmm. So I'll say two parts to it. If you're a person who probably knows what you want to do, but don't have the courage to mm-hmm. just kind of step out on it, think about your regrets. Think about if 10 years passed, was making that risk the better option mm-hmm. versus just being comfortable? Because you cannot be comfortable if you, you're trying to change. It, it's actually going to be the most uncomfortable part of your life wow. if you stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know what it is that you want to do, you're probably not in a well-balanced part in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to do some soul searching. Yeah. Just start doing spontaneous stuff you've never done. Because then you might find out what you actually want to do. Like, that means doing some of the most scariest things to you, whatever scary look like. Mm -hmm. That way you can hop out of your comfort zone because you might start to realize, hmm, I actually want to do that. Mm -hmm. I actually want to try this because you're familiarizing yourself with risky behaviors. Not life-threatening, but risky. (laughs) What I really connected to and I liked about her was the boldness of her vision Mm. and realizing that innovation ain't for everybody. Mm. My idea person. Mm -hmm. And I think most people want to operate in a comfort zone. They want to understand it, be familiar with it, see it before they can see it. Mm. And so um, visionaries just have a difficult time. But I'm glad I'm encouraged and inspired that she didn't internalize that. Yep. She called it for what it was. And kept pushing. And kept pushing. You know, what really struck me was her just simply saying, 
you know what? I'm going to build this myself. Mm -hmm. If someone's telling me no, I'm going to do this thing anyway. It was inspiring to hear. Like she she kept saying, oh, that might sound arrogant. But I wonder, do you need a certain level of that to be a visionary? I think other people label it as arrogant. Mm -hmm. It's just believing in yourself. It's just believing in yourself. There are a lot of people that have these ambitions and these dreams, but they're too afraid to even whisper it aloud. And they here she comes with this new idea boldly. Yep. She arrogant. Mm-hmm. No, you scary. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, they you know, no, she just believes in, in the power of her dreams. And, and her herself. Ideas. And herself. Yep, which is hard, but important. And that's a wrap for our Come Up episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Special thanks to our guest, Kianji Williams, for joining us today. You can find more about her and her work on Instagram at NAKXTV. And we want to add you to the group chat. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Send us an email or a voice memo. What do you want to hear on the show? What questions do you want us to get to the bottom of? We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Kevin Dawson is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Editing by Justin Bull. Engineering by Dave Miska, Haley Bloomquist, and J.R. Strauss. See y'all next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.